Uh, I'm going to read from the Bible in John chapter 4. If you have a Bible, I want to uh, encourage you to turn there. If you don't have a Bible, hopefully it'll come up on the screen. And uh, I'm going to see if I can jump to verse 5, start reading from verse 5, and uh, read the rest of the account that is in verse 5 all the way um, to verse 42. John chapter 4, verse 5 to 42. This is what it says. Eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Uh, If we go back, we've we've missed a screen. If we go back to the previous slide... Soon a Samaritan came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with the Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, You would ask me, and I would give you living water. But, sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Next verse, verse 13. Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship, while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshipped? Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship. While we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes from the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Just then, his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman. But none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village, telling everyone, Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Meanwhile, the the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. 
You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, but I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages, and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. You know the saying, one plants and the other harvests, and it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant, and others had already done the work, and now you will get to gather the harvest. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because, of the, because the woman had said, He told me everything I ever did. And when they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village, so he stayed for two days, long enough for many to believe. They then said to the woman, Now we believe not just because of what you told us, because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the Savior of the world. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful. So thankful for the word of God. Today we thank you that you will speak to us with power, with purpose, and with clarity. I rebuke and reject every distraction of the body, of the mind, of the surrounding. And I thank you that there is no power in hell that will prevail from your word being spoken forth with authority and power. Speak until every demonic activity in our sphere of influence is disarmed and we are empowered to trust you to walk with every fiber of our being convinced that you are for us and not against us. So I thank you for what you're about to do today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. We are told about a story of Jesus being tired, sitting at a well, wanting a drink, and he meets a woman, a Samaritan woman, culturally uh, a conversation that was not meant to happen. Jews and Samaritans didn't talk to each other, especially a Jewish man who was a rabbi did not talk to a Samaritan woman. Jesus asks this woman for water, and uh, a conversation ensures, a, a, a conversation uh, starts happening, and, uh, and it keeps going. And, and by the end of the story, we are told that this woman has put her faith in Jesus And through her, the entire town of Samaria has come to know Jesus and they believe in Jesus too. Isn't it amazing that this woman had an encounter with God, not when she was actually seeking for God? She had an encounter with God, not because she was praying. She had an encounter with God, not because she was reading the Bible. She had an encounter with God, not because she had a desire to know God. She was just going about her everyday business, about noontime, going to a well to get some water for her own house. In those days, we didn't have the advanced pump plumbing systems that we have in the world today where you can just turn a tap on and have water. If you needed water at home for cooking, cleaning, bathing, whatever, you always went to the well to draw water and come back. So she was doing something that she would be doing every day, and she was doing something that others would be doing almost every day. And in that place and in that moment, in that place of just an everyday routine, Jesus meets her and her life is changed forever. Through her, an entire town's life is changed forever. And as the disciples are having a conversation with her, with, uh, with Jesus saying, I don't understand why you're talking to a Samaritan woman, Jesus begins to explain that this is because the harvest is ready. Everybody say the harvest is ready. 
the harvest is ready. He says, harvest is ready. He said, no, ask any farmer, any person. In those days, the majority of people earned their livelihood through farming. Food was not bought at supermarkets like we buy today. Most people had to farm to earn their living or to, to earn a dinner. And so people would immediately recognize what it meant when Jesus said, the harvest is ready. Do you not say, four more months and the harvest is ready. You, you couldn't just wait for harvest because all of the toil of the plowing and the sowing and the sweating and the watering and the fertilizing and the weeding, it was, it was, it was tiresome work. Uh, let alone in a country where, where, um, where, uh, you know, like ours, where we have cold months and, and springtime and, and, and winter months, but especially in the Middle East where the story was written, temperatures were in the 40s and it was, it was hot, it was dry. Some, pla- some places th- there was humidity as well. And so when somebody said, four more months and there is harvest, you can almost, you can almost explain, you can almost just feel the, the, the anticipation, the, almost the agony, the ecstasy, all mixed into one, four more. Jesus said to his disciples, do you not say four more months and then the harvest? But I say to you, the harvest is already here. It is here and now. If Jesus looked at this woman and this woman who had gone through five divorces and was now living with a sixth man and she was not really seeking God and she was just actually going about her everyday business. If Jesus pointed to this woman and said, that's what a ready harvest looks like. I wonder what it is that we need to be aware of the way God views people. You see, God views people differently to the way we view people. We can look at people who are ready and pumped up for church and they're ready to give and they're ready to praise and they're ready to go and they're ready to serve and they're ready to read the Bible and they're ready to encounter God. And we say, ah, that's a picture of somebody that's ready. But Jesus looks at somebody who's not doing any of that, gone through five divorces, living with the sixth person and says, that looks like a person that's ready to encounter the harvest of God and counter the love of God. I want to say to you, God does not view you the way you view yourself. God does not view your children the way you view your children. Some of you are parents here, grandparents here, and you're looking at your children. They don't really look like they are interested in God or interested in worship or, or it seems like it's a, it's a task trying to get them ready for church every Sunday or, or they may not even want to come to church on Sunday. Maybe you're looking at your own self or your own spouse and you're like, man, I don't know. It was just, a, it was just late but just getting to church today. I didn't even feel like going. I don't even feel like I know whether I want to worship. I didn't even feel like I wanted to join in. Look, it doesn't matter what you feel. God looks at you and says, you are ready for an encounter with God. And I want to declare over our church this morning, whether you feel ready or not ready, God is ready. And God is ready to encounter your life with power and with purpose. And it doesn't matter how you feel this morning. Something about the goodness of God can can reach you and touch your life. Aren't you glad that you worship a God who doesn't judge you by whether you are ready or not, whether you're performing or not, whether you're worshiping or not, whether you're happy or not, whether there's a smile on your face or not, whether you've read the Bible this week or not, whether you've prayed enough or not. I don't care who you 
are, where you are, where you've come from, whether you have a little faith, a lot of faith, or no faith at all. The God of the harvest is here this morning, and He wants to encounter your life with power, with purpose, and with clarity, and with goodness. If you are grateful that the goodness of God is greater than your own goodness, give Him a shout of praise about right now. He is a good God, and He wants to encounter your life with good things. He wants to encounter your life with good things. People will look at such a woman and say, oh, no, you know, they're they're not ready for God yet. They're not ready for God yet. If if they were ready, you know, their their lives would look slightly different. But Jesus said, no, the harvest is ready. You guys know what it looks like. And, And God is looking at your life today and saying, you know what? Harvest is ready. Harvest is ready. Harvest is ready. Harvest is ready. He is looking at you with a longing as if you're about to produce the greatest fruit you have ever produced in your life. Think about the emotions a farmer goes through for a year. He's had to store up seed or they've had to store up seed. And after a year of storing up seed, they've had to plow the ground. And after a lot of plowing, they had to plant it. And after planting, they had to water it. After water, they had to weed and after weeding they had to mature it and they had to nurture it and they had to wait and and eventually you're thinking ah oh, for four more months four more months and there is harvest think about the emotions a farmer is going through as he's saying that and Jesus says no you say four more months and the harvest is here but I say to you look up harvest is already here the fields are ripe the harvest is already here the harvest is already here do you know that God is looking at your life with great expectation? Do you know that God is looking at your life with great anticipation? Do you know that God is looking at your life with great joy? Do you know that God is more excited about your future than you are currently excited about your future? Do you know that God is looking at your life and saying something good is about to happen from this life? You are sometimes aware of your sin and your divorce and your failure and your feeling and how down you are and how flat you are but God doesn't view you through the lenses of your emotions God doesn't view you through the lenses of your experience God doesn't view you through the lenses of the bad day you've had God doesn't view you through the lenses of the fight you've had this week with your spouse God doesn't view you through the lenses of your performance God views you through the lenses of his potential and he is looking at you and he's saying harvest is ready harvest is ready harvest is ready fruit is about to come out of your life so whether you feel fruit fruitful today or you don't feel fruitful today whether you feel qualified today or you don't feel qualified today God is about to do something in your life that is going to blow your mind because it blew their mind it blew the mind of the disciples because they were not uh, they were looking at this this conversation that was going on it's like this doesn't make sense you are a Jewish man she is not Jewish you are Jewish and she is Samaritan you are male she is female you are a man of honor she is gone through five divorces in which in those days in that in the custom of the day that was a symbol of shame and you can look at this community looking at Jesus saying what on earth is Jesus doing why is he having this conversation it doesn't just add up it doesn't measure up it doesn't make sense why on earth and the Bible says nobody dared ask 
ask him a question why he was talking to her in the first place. I want to say to you, their voices were silenced because Jesus was doing the conversation. Jesus was having a conversation with this woman. And even though they wanted to ask those questions, saying, Jesus, what are you doing? Surely you should not be spending time with this woman who's not qualified, who's not hungry, who's not expectant, who's not behaving right, who's living with the wrong man at the wrong time, with the wrong place. Surely you should not be wasting your time. The Bible says nobody dared speak. I want to prophesy over you. Some of the voices that disqualify you are about to be silenced. The voices in your mind that say you are not worthy, you are not good enough, you don't fit the bill, you do not fit the mold, you do not qualify to have an encounter with God. Those voices may come up and I was praying and I was feeling this morning, I felt some of you have been battling those voices in your head where the voices of your past, the voices of your experience, the voices of what people think about you, feel about you, said about you are becoming louder and louder and louder. But this is the morning when those voices are going to be silenced in the name of Jesus and there will only be one voice that is louder than every other voice in your mind and that is the voice of your father that loves you unconditionally in the morning sun, in the evening rain, through summer, winter and spring. His love never fails. It never changes. It will not quit. It will not give up. It is relentless. It will chase you down. He will make you his and there is nothing that can stand in the way of his love. Height cannot separate you from his love. Depth cannot separate you from his love. Your present cannot separate you from his love. Your past cannot separate you from his love. Angels cannot separate you from his love. Principalities cannot separate you from his love. Your faults cannot separate you from his love. Nothing can separate you from the love that is found in Jesus Christ this morning. Nothing. Nothing can separate you from his love. 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 Nothing can... Oh, I hear the... I hear the chains falling this morning. I hear some bondages being broken this morning. I hear freedom in this room this morning. I hear freedom and joy this morning. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 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 Demonic entities that have caused you to be in a box because of how you have viewed yourself and you have viewed your you viewed other people around you. They're getting nervous this morning. Because the truth is setting you free. The truth is bringing deliverance and salvation. Some of you parents right now need to raise a shout of praise for your children who don't walk with God right now. Who don't follow Jesus right now. It doesn't matter what lens through which you are viewing them. Whether they are here in the building or not. Nothing will be able to separate your children from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. We declare that this morning over our future generations. Hallelujah. 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 Every lie 
every guilt, every shame, every deception, every spirit of works and striving that causes you to strive again and again to be qualified for his love. I dismantle that thinking. I reject that thinking. I rebuke that thinking. I dismiss that thinking. Not here, not now, not ever. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Jesus says to this woman, if you knew who was talking to you, and if you knew the gift of God, then you would have asked him for a drink. And if he would have given you driving waters, and that water would have become in you a spring of living water. I want to talk to you in the remaining moments this morning. What does a spring look like? What does a spring look like? I've used this illustration before, so if you've already heard it, bear with me. If you go to a shop and buy a bottle of spring water, natural water, mineral water, usually at the back, in the UK anyway, they usually tell you where it's bottled, bottled at source. And they tell you the name of the spring. Because you go to a spring and you get water to drink from a spring. But Jesus says in the kingdom, it's the other way around. That if he gives you a drink, that drink in you becomes a spring up unto eternal life. But every time God gives you something, every time you position yourself to receive something from God, even this morning, just the fact that you are here receiving the word of God, every time you receive from him, it becomes in you a spring springing up to eternal life. The thing about springs is you can never find decay in a spring because it's always fresh. You can never find decay in a spring because it's always fresh. You see, religion will teach you clean your life up so that God can use you as a spring. If you could clean your life up without the Holy Spirit, then why do you need the Holy Spirit? None of us have the power to clean our life up. None of us have the ability to do it, to fix it, to do what's right. That's why we need God in the first place. And God gives a woman who's currently living with a man after five divorces and said, you know what? The first thing I'd have wanted you to do was to ask me for a drink. God is not waiting for you to fix your life so you can qualify for his blessing. Because if you could get his blessing through your qualification, then you didn't need Jesus in the first place. You and I are not in a place to fix our life. You and I are not in a place to fix the mess in our life. You and I are not able to silence the voices sometimes that get so loud in our life. That's why we need God in the first place. And God is a God who gives generously not after you've completed his questionnaire and you've completed the five steps to recovery and four steps to cleaning up your life. He wants you to have a drink today. He wants you to have a drink right now. He wants to bless you with his grace right now. And the Bible says in John chapter 4, anytime you take a drink from him, your life then becomes a spring up unto eternal life. Some of you are trying your best to get over the addiction to sin. Some of you are getting, trying your best to get yourself to a place where you can forgive your enemies. Some of you are trying your best to give a life that is on fire for God. 
And he said, now, man, one day I'm going to be on fire for God. And when I become fire for God, my life is going to be a spring. No, my friends, today is a good day for your life to have a spring. Today is a good day for your life to have a drink from the living water that God gives without any condition to anybody who says, I'm ready for a drink myself. If you knew the gift of God and who was talking to you, I would have given you living water and you would have, <clears throat> you would have received that water and your life would become a spring. You see, when the spring flows, it's not just the fact that you were blessed, but people around you are blessed. You know, it's a crime, it's a shame, it's a pity if all you want from God is for God to bless you and keep you blessed. No, God wants not just to bless you, but to use your life as a source of blessing. But I've got five divorces, but God is good. But I'm living with a man right now. God can sort that. God is good. But I've got sin in my life. He can help you overcome sin. God is good. I've got into debt. But God is good. I've had four divorces. God is good. No, here comes the fifth divorce. God is good. But I'm tired because I'm just living with the the man right now. God is good. And I've used this example before. So if you've heard it before, just bear with me, please. You imagine living in the Samaritan village at the time. I grew up in the Far East. And so I know what it's like. Everybody knew everybody's business. Because you didn't have lots of houses that was big and massive. We lived in tiny houses and communities where you could walk across the entire, entire stretch of a town or a village just on foot. Because it was tiny houses all next to each other. And uh, in the community, it, uh, it, you would have seen it maybe in TV shows, especially when weddings happen in the East, the entire community gets invited out. I remember my own wedding, our own wedding. Most of the people at my wedding, I didn't know. We had about a thousand, two thousand people. This is how Indian weddings are. I'm like, oh, thank you. Thanks for coming to our wedding. Who are you? What's your name? My name is Sujit. Thanks for being at my wedding. That's how it happened. It was, uh, it was, it was just a community affair. <clears throat> and imagine going to the wedding. And it didn't happen here. But let's imagine. Let's use our holy imagination for a while. And and uh, Mr. and Mrs. Sissons invites you uh, to the wedding of, of their daughter, Alice. And Alice is getting married to Adam. And so you're excited. You go go for the wedding. And then uh, a year later, you find out on Facebook that Alice and Adam are now divorced. A year later, you have another wedding invite. Alice is now getting married to Stuart think, okay, I'm going to Stuart and Alice's wedding. A year later, you find out on Instagram, they're divorced. A year later, you think, oh, Alice is now getting married to Mark. Think, okay, this is great. Look, if if I was me, this is what I'd be thinking. I'd be thinking, man, this is expensive now. This is expensive. Like, this is, this is a lot of wedding gifts. Like, I could, I could have just saved my money. And, you know, just this could have, after a while, this, this is the third divorce. And after a while, I think, ah, Mr. and Sister Sissons takes pleasure to invite uh, the, the, the wedding of their daughter, Alice. And Alice is now getting married to Peter. And they okay, fourth time lucky maybe. And then you find out a few months later they're divorced. After a while, I think, oh. And next time the, the, the envelope comes through your door, you're like, I know what this is. This is a wedding invite. I know where this is going. There's going to be another one in a few months' time. You know? Because it, it, was, it was a close-knit community. The Samaritan town was a close-knit community. And everybody knew. Everybody knew. 
But Jesus gives her a drink of water and her life becomes a spring. 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 Especially in the Samaritan culture, the shame and the pain and the agony that was attached to her trauma, what she did, what was done to her, what she went through, excruciating. Even just the public viewing her in a way that was perhaps not very courteous or honorable. But the the drink that Jesus gave her became in her a spring. What does a spring look like? What does a spring look like? What does a spring look like? What does it feel like? What does it feel like having drunk from the goodness of God, the, the grace that comes from God? Because I believe that some of you have gone to church and you've had experiences with Christianity before, but it hasn't been Jesus. And because it hasn't been Jesus, you've come to the conclusion that perhaps this isn't really working for me. And I don't understand if I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, why why would I feel this? Why, why would I go through this? Here's what a spring looks like number one a spring always leads to progressive revelation progressive revelation she starts off by saying oh i think you're a prophet then she says oh i've just discovered the messiah there there is progressive revelation there is there is something about god that you get to know again and again and again and again and again There is nothing familiar about worship, my friends. There's nothing familiar about the word of God. There is nothing familiar about the tithe or the offering. There is nothing familiar about gathering together in worship. And that is why if you're coming together to worship on a Sunday, you think, oh man, it's Sunday again. Oh God, I've got to read my Bible again. Oh I've got that worship song. I've got to lift my hands and praise again. If there is something in you that's making it feel like this is drudgery, this is not exciting, this is not life-giving, I fear you may not have met Jesus. I fear you may have met religion. I fear you may have met a form of godliness that has denied the power of Jesus. I can't wait to read the word of God because it's a spring. I can't wait to discover what's next. I can't wait to worship again. I can't wait to gather again. I can't wait to tithe again. Why? Because whenever I have been on the receiving end of the goodness of God, my life becomes a spring. And today if you have walked in here saying that describes my life, it's a bit of a drudgery. My walk with God has become a bit of a monotonous routine thing. And I don't feel so Sometimes that I have the excitement in me. Sometimes I can fake it and try and be excited. But how long do I keep up that act? Because sooner or later, I'm going to be tired by keeping up the act of putting on a smile and lifting my hands and clapping my hands and coming to church. I feel I'm on the verge of quitting. If that's you, well, good. Go ahead and quit anyway, because what you'll be quitting is religion. But when you come to Jesus, you will not be satisfied by his goodness, by his glory by his mercy, by his faithfulness. He is an ever-enduring, ever-present, eternal spring. And you can't just wait to experience him more and more and more and more. And today, if that is you, you have defined God by your past experience. But God is opening you up this morning and saying, will you open up your heart today? Will you open up your mind today? Will you let me show you something about me?
me that is greater than religion, that's greater than Christianity, that's greater than tradition, that's greater than your experience. God is a good God. And if you will receive from him, your life is about to become a spring. And every moment will be an excitement. Every moment will be a discovery. Every moment will be your eyes and your senses wide open to thinking, God, what next? What are you going to show me next? Where are you going to lead me next? What are you going to do with my life next? Some of you have resigned to the fact that this is your life and you're going to plateau and you're going to ride to the end of the days. I rebuke and reject that lie in the name of Jesus. There is an excitement. There is an enthusiasm. There is an expectation that comes when you have discovered who Jesus is. And today, let there be a spring. Let there be a spring that comes out of your life where you discover God again. So one of the things I do, I have now been a Christian this year for 32 years. And I've been preaching from the word of God for 21. One of the things I still do is I sit with God with my Bible and I say, God, I want you to show me what it means to be born again because I don't know. I want you to show me what it means to trust you because I don't know. You'd like to think those are the basics of Christianity. But if they're the basics of Christianity, then you've used God as a curriculum that you tick off and think, I've known that, I've understood that, I get that. So I purposely sit with the word of God and say, God, what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be forgiven? Because my God is not a curriculum to be ticked off. My God is a spring that comes up on the inside. And then I discover things about him I did not know. And God today is inviting you into a life where if you will drink from him, your life is about to become a spring. I don't know who this prophecy is for, but you are about to walk into an encounter with God like never before. Your life with God is going to be intimate like never before. You're going to encounter this precious closeness of Jesus and the reality of the Holy Spirit like never before. You need to leave your past. Draw a line. If you continue to live in the past, there is no way he can invite you into his future. But drink from his goodness and let God bring in you a spring welling up to eternal life. That's the first. The secondly, what does a spring look like? The Bible says she left her jar behind and ran back to the village and told everybody, said, come and meet a man that told me about everything I've ever done. You see, there are two types of people who want to follow Jesus. People who have encountered God as all-powerful, that's great. God as merciful, that's great. But there is something about the life of a person who has encountered God as love. There is something about a person whose life is You've encountered God as love. I was reading Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence this week. If you haven't read that, I'm going to encourage you to do it. It's a book that I visit so many times again and again. A quote by Brother Lawrence this week really, really spoke to me. 
while Judah and Anna were enjoying their soft play. Sitting, here's a break. Brother Lawrence said, all things are possible to he who believes. They are a little less difficult to he who hopes. And a little less difficult to he who loves. And a little less difficult to he who pursues all three. And it caught my attention. All things are possible for he who believes. But a little less difficult to he who has hope. A little less difficult to he who has love. And a little less difficult to he who has all three. Faith, hope, and love abide, but the greatest of these is love. Jesus did not tell her to leave her water jar behind. Jesus did not tell her to go back to the town and tell everybody about him. It just so happened that she did it. See, when you're motivated by love, it's not what do I need to do, it's what do I get to do. You can tell whether you've encountered the God of love or not by the questions you ask. You can tell whether you've motivated by love by the questions you ask. Question number one. Do I tithe on my gross pay or do I tithe on my net pay? I never answer that question because you haven't met love. Because it's like, what do I need to do just to make the bare minimum? Or is this the standard or is that the standard? What do I need to do in order to walk in power? What do I need to do in order to just just preserve my purity? I know that sex is intended as a gift given to a disciple of Jesus. Of course, this is for disciples of Jesus. For a disciple of Jesus, sex is a gift God has given between a husband and a wife within the context of marriage. But there are questions. But how far can I take it? What does the Bible say about it? See, all those questions prove that you're, you're trying to test the boundaries because boundaries... And trying to get a standard is a sign that you haven't met love. Would you imagine that ever working out within the context of marriage? Me asking Reshmi, like, how many plates do I need to wash? Just so I know I'm in your good books. How many rooms do I need to hoover so I know I'm good? How many birthdays do I need to remember so I'm aware that we're good? What is the minimum amount of money I should, should spend on my anniversary so that it's memorable for you? Like, what, what, what should I do so that we're good? That's not love, is it? Yet we treat God that way. It's a sign you haven't met love. It's a sign you haven't met love. On the other hand, I've met people who have encountered love. And they say things like, 
um, I, I tithed this month, but I just felt like I needed to do some more. Who told you that? I, I don't know. Just, just, just felt it. Okay. It was a really busy week, and we, we were, man, life is full on. But I just felt like God said, I've got to cut down on some other responsibilities just to serve. Who, who told you that? I don't know. It just felt like it. Just felt like it. I, I just felt like I had to leave my water jar behind. Because I took all the effort, mid-morning sun, to bring this water jar to draw the water. How do I know the water is already drawn? Because if the water hadn't already been drawn, Jesus wouldn't have asked her for a drink. So the water is already drawn. She's just, she's just taken the water jar. She's left that. Ran back to the village. Said, come and meet a man that's told me everything. Well, Jesus didn't ask her to do that. Jesus didn't ask her to do that. You, you don't have to worship. You, you don't have to give. You get to give. You get to worship. You get to serve. You get to connect with your brothers and sisters. You get to live in community. You get to be at the prayer meeting, the next prayer meeting. You get to be there. But anytime you ask the question, what do I need to do in order to please God? What, 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 what do I need to do just, just to make him happy? I just want to make sure he's, I just want to, I just want to get in there. And you haven't met love. Love goes above and beyond anything and everything and saying, God, it's all yours. My life is yours. My heart is yours. My time is yours. My money is yours. My energy is yours. I, I live with an open hand to say, whatever you want, it's yours. And you, it's all yours anyway. You can have it all. 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 This is my phone. It's a Galaxy, what's it? I don't even know these model names. Samsung Note 20. And uh, here you go, Paul. Here's my phone. It's yours. Do you reckon I can use it for five minutes? But it's mine. But I gave it to you. Do you reckon Jesus can have your tithe? It's not you. He gave it to you. What about your worship, your hands to live? He gave you those hands. What about your voice to say, oh, it's not my favorite song. He gave you that voice. People would do anything to have a voice. People who can't speak. There are people in our world who, who, who don't have a voice. People would do anything to do that. Paul, Paul, you reckon I could use that on Mondays? You can have it for the rest you reckon if there was a 10-day window, can I have a 10th? Like, I, I use it for one day, you use it the nine days after that. Do you reckon that's okay? Can, can God... Shouldn't Paul be saying, what do you mean a 10th? It's yours anyway. It's yours anyway. It's yours anyway. Kelly, these are my glasses. These are yours. Without them, you can't see. Do, do, you reckon I can, do you reckon I can use it for 10 minutes? They're mine, though. They look better on you. 
But what if we had a 10-day window and I could have it just one out of the 10? You see, it, it's not yours, Kelly. But, but God, doesn't, God doesn't demand it. We get to live with an open hand. We get to, we get to say, God, you can have it all. If you want my glasses, you hear my glass. If you want my, what, what about? The Bible says, I, 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 I lie down to sleep and I wake up because the Lord sustains me. She left her water jar behind and she ran to the village and said, come and meet a man that has told me everything that I've ever done. How are you living today? Are you living with an open hand? Or a close hand? Are you living with a generous spirit? Or a close spirit? Are you living with a a spirit that is so vibrant with expectation? Or are you living with a spirit that's closed? If you're living with a spirit that's closed, I don't want you to feel any condemnation. It's not your fault. You just haven't met love yet. You haven't met a God of love. You haven't met a God who is able to give exceedingly abundantly more than you can ever ask or imagine he has given and he continues to give and he gives and he will continue to give again tomorrow he is he is left she left her water jar behind today is a good day for you to think oh man how am i living how am i living am i am i living with closed expectation with a With a closed heart, or am I living with an open heart? Whoever drinks from me, whoever drinks from me, Paul, open that for me. Whoever drinks from me, their life, their life will have a spring. Today, God comes to you and says, We have a drink. He doesn't come with a demand, He comes with a supply. He doesn't come with an expectation. He comes with a supply. Will will you have a drink? 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 Will you have, will you, will you drink from my goodness? And if you will, whoever drinks the water I give will become in them a spring gushing up to eternal life. You get to live a life free from sin. You get to worship Jesus. You get to give him your all. You get to go the extra mile. You get to serve. You get to bow down. You get to bow your knees. You get to honor him as Lord. You get to worship Jesus together on a Sunday morning. We get to do this church. We don't have to, but we get to. Why? Because he gave us everything. He gave us everything. He gave us everything. She left it behind. Wouldn't it be amazing if this church became the most generous church in the whole world? Because we were on the receiving end of God's outrageous generosity. Lastly, what does a spring look like? A spring always invites other people into your world. She says... Come and meet a man who has told me everything about me. Here's the question. Did Jesus really tell her everything she had ever done? No. The only thing Jesus told her is, Hey, listen, I know how many times you got divorced and I know who you're living with now. But for the first time in her life, she felt fully known and fully accepted. 
fully known and fully accepted. That come and meet a man who has told me everything I've ever done. Come meet him. Come and meet a man who has told me everything I have ever done. Come and meet him. Come and meet him. Come and meet him. And they all came out and the Bible says the entire Samaritan town believed in Jesus. They begged Jesus, stay a few more days. They said, we believe now. 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 You see, when you have a spring in you, not only are you constantly, number one, progressing in your revelation of you, number two, you're willing to leave behind that which may be precious to you once upon a time, but is no longer precious now. But number three, you get to tell people. You get to tell people. You get to tell people. When was the last time you invited somebody to church? When was the last time you shared the love of Jesus with somebody? If you don't confident to do that, when was the last time you just prayed for somebody to meet Jesus? Let's invite other people into our world. Because this is what a spring looks like. This is what an overflowing life looks like. This is what an abundant life looks like. This is what a life looks like when you live with a constant expectation that God is going to be good to you. I'm going to say this until some of you believe this. God is not just good, but he wants to be good to you. God is not just good, he wants to be good to you. God is not just good, he wants to be good to you. God is not just good, he wants to be good to you. God is not just good, he wants to be good to you. God is not just good, he wants to be good to you. He wants to be good to your life. He wants to be good to your health. He wants to be good to your children. He wants to be good to your spouse. He wants to be good to your marriage. He wants to be good to your career. He wants to be good to your dreams. God wants to be good to your goals and aspirations. God wants to be good to you. Will you drink from him? Will you receive that drink? 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 But I haven't sorted out my life yet. You need God to sort your life out. You can't do it on your own. You need the Holy Spirit to live the life that God intended for you to live. We're not meant to be dams. We're not meant to be stagnant. We're meant to be springs. We're meant to overflow. We're meant to give Praise, serve, love. Anytime your mind says, yeah, but what's the bare minimum so I can just get away with it? Ah, You haven't met love yet. You haven't met love yet. You haven't met love yet. You haven't met. Uh, how far can I take my uh, my desires, my my fleshly desires? Uh, what what what's the border between what's safe and what's sin? Oh no 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 no! You haven't met love yet. When love comes into your heart, you will run from sin. You will run from it because your life is now a spring. 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 On another occasion in the book of John, Jesus said these words. The Bible says, This was said concerning the Holy Spirit. That whoever believes in Him out of them will flow rivers of living water. Springs and rivers are about to flow from your life if you will just accept that God wants to be good 
to you. And you've got to ask him now. For a moment of concentration and privacy with every head bowed and every eye closed. Why don't you ask him right now? Say, God, be good to me today. I receive your goodness to me. I receive your goodness. 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 Secondly, why don't you pray? Say, God, I want to see you this year in a way I've never seen you before. I want to grow in my knowledge of you. Know who you are. Know who you are to me. Come on, ask him. He would love to reveal himself to you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I release a spirit of wisdom and revelation across this room. No more religion. No more stagnancy. No more curriculum, Jesus. Let there be a divine romance of the ages released in this room right now where we will encounter your love in ways we have never experienced before. Satanic decrees, demonic influences, powers, principalities, thrones and dominions, pains and traumas of the past that have robbed the intimacy with Jesus. I come against you in the name of Jesus. I reject your influence over the mind, the psyche and the body. Today is the last for you to reign and rule in the lives of God's children. These are God's people. The spirit of Pharaoh that is holding people back from worshipping. I command you let people go this morning and let there be praise and worship that is released in the house today. Now, 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 now. Let there be fire upon the life of people in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Number three. I want you to think of one person, two people, three people by name. Somebody who you think you're going to share Jesus with. Might be a person you've shared Jesus with before. One or two friends that you're going to invite to church. Yeah, but it might be weird. They might not understand what's going on. You let God do the rest. Invite your world. Come on two minutes it might be your own family member why don't you pray for them right now father we pray right now in the name of jesus for every individual that's in our mind right now we ask you that you will touch them we ask you that you'll give us courage and boldness to share jesus with them to invite them into our world we ask you lord do it right now before the end of this year let there be somebody that encounters jesus because of our lives. We pray for the town of Barry St. Edmunds and the surrounding villages. We pray, God, let revival break out in these towns. Let revival break out in these villages. Let revival break out in our schools. Let revival break out in our colleges. Let revival break out in our housing estates. Let revival break out in our companies. Let revival break out in the industrial estates. Let revival break out in our homes. Let revival break out in our shops. Let revival break out in the high street. Let revival break out in our community. Let there be life. 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 Let be life. If you can do it in Samaria, we believe you can do it in Bury St. Edmunds. If you can do it in Samaria, we believe you can do it in Suffolk. If you can do it in Samaria, we believe you can do it in the United Kingdom. Move, Lord, in a powerful way until men and women, boys and girls, bow their knees to Jesus and there is an encounter of God in our communities like never before. 
We're going to take a moment right now to bring our tithes and offerings to Jesus. Why don't you take a moment to pray right now and say, God, what is the gift I need to give you this morning? What is it that I need to do to bring an offering to you?